This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And this, this is going to be a, a slew, Samantha, of which horror movie classics that we're going to run during this month. And I think in oh, a little bit yeah. into November, because we have a lot of them. <laughs> Surprise. We talk a lot about witches on this show. We love talking about it. So this first one was a double feature we did that actually changed my horror movie routine because um, we did uh, Practical Magic and Witches of Eastwick, both of which I had never seen when we did this one. Uh, And now I watch Practical Magic every Halloween. Wait, were those my choices? Yes. Yeah. I mm-hmm. cannot believe I made you watch two witch movies that are like that. That's amazing. I'm <laughs> proud of myself. Keep going. As you should be. As you should Thank be. You. And it's really funny because I introduced a lot of people to Practical and Magic, which I I don't know why, but just really resonated with me in my heart. Youngins. We do a lot of like midnight margaritas when we watch it. I love should. it. It's a very, very fun. Uh, yes. So please enjoy this classic episode. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So for today's question, I'm going to do it in the spirit yes. of this episode. Please. What, what movie, what children's movie do you think scared you the most? It was meant for kids. Right. But was terrifying. It was meant for kids? Yeah. So I have a few because I definitely had 
a giant imagination of things coming to get me and in, in mm-hmm. like insignificant things that shouldn't have been a big deal. But I was yeah. like, oh, hell no. Um, <laughs> we are going to be talking about one of the movies specifically for sure. So I'll leave that one. Yeah. For surprise. I was really surprised. <laughs> the title or something. Yeah. Probably gave uh, but it away, actually, but... I, I wasn't a kid and it came on later, but it freaked me out was the uh, uh, Ernest. Saves Halloween. Oh, yeah, Ernest yeah, yeah, yeah. The stupid. trolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those snotty trolls. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, what other movies really freaked me out? And that was one of them. And I was like, why, why, why <laughs> did that have to happen? And for, for me, like, I actually watched a lot of really bad 90s, 80s horror movies growing up. Yeah. And so I think I was in my teens, preteens, when we were doing that, we were being rebellious and watching like House of Wax and that stuff right. really scared me. But those were supposed to be scary. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, Ernest Scare Stupid was supposed to be kind of scary, it really yeah. freaked me out. Yeah. I can't really remember much about that movie, but I do remember being unsettled by it. So I don't think you're alone. Yeah. Look, they turn into <laughs> tree people. They turn into like, yeah, carvings of themselves. It was weird. So what about yes. you? Yes. Uh, well, I've probably mentioned it before, but I have an entire list of uh, what I call terrifying children's movies. And there's like 20 movies on there. And I was an interesting kid in that, like, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street at, I don't know, four. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No fear. But, like, the one that scared me the most was uh, Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. What is that? It's, I don't know. It's a, like, comic, I think. Um but it scared me so badly, I asked my dad to remove it from the house. Like, I would not have it. And so he, like, took it out and donated it. <laughs> and I haven't seen it since. But sometimes when I bring it up, people do remember. And they remember it being very scary uh, as a kid. And I definitely, like, also on there is The Secret of Nam That terrified me. Uh, Legend. Magic Pony. Magic Legend, Legend which I haven't scare. seen Legend, but I it's in it's on Amazon Prime, I think, and I'm like maybe it's time because yeah. Warren has brought up Legend too. Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this before because uh, Tim Curry as Satan, the devil, yeah, one of the scariest scenes I remember. Like I'm still like in his voice, deep and growling at you, mm-hmm. and you just knew like you were gonna get eaten up. And of course, it was yeah. Tom Cruise's first movie. I think we've talked about it on our show before. I think he, we have. He was pantsless, it and it was up. really baffling as a child, and kind of like <laughs> embarrassing to watch. But I'm like, why is he pantsless? Well, yeah, that is very baffling. Uh, but speaking of Tim Curry, I actually recently rewatched one on the list, uh, Fern Gully, which is not. It does not hold up, but I can see why it scared me. And Tim Curry has a musical number in it, so it's worth watching. But yeah. um, and a Dark Crystal. Oh my God, yeah. The Wizard of Oz two. Yeah. Not the first one, the second one. Huh. Um, I didn't know there was a two. Not going to lie. Oh, oh, it's all about depression. It's so upsetting. Oh, uh, like They don't believe that she went to Oz, so she goes through, like, electroshock therapy. It's awful. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's intense. Yeah. Uh, Rock-a-doodle. That one doesn't hold up either, but it scared me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Once Upon a Forest. A lot of these are pollution-based children's movies. Did, yeah, were you scared that the world was going to end? I did. I actually was really worried about that. And I had a whole list. When I was nine years old, I wrote my bucket list. And most of it was like, if you read it now, it reads as though I thought the world was going to end in, in any moment. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Fresca, I guess. I mean, yeah. 
I guess. Well, we are talking about one movie that did scare a lot of children because we're examining two movies today because it's coming up on my favorite season, which is Halloween. My favorite. Right. Well, I call it a season. You do call it, it a season. Like you, you. What was it? Two weeks ago, you sent me an email saying, "Okay." It's time. What are we going to do for the Halloween specials? What horror movies are we going to do? I'm like, let's get a whole month's worth of things planned. <laughs> well, fall is my favorite season. and Halloween is my favorite holiday. Uh, and we talk about witches all the time. We'll take any opportunity to talk about witches. So today, we're doing two movies that I would argue are children's movies, but definitely scared a lot of people and are enjoyed by adults. Uh, Hocus Pocus and the witches. And then we're going to have a conversation on depiction of witches in children's movies in general. Now, Hocus Pocus didn't scare me. I know I've mentioned it on this show before, but I rented it from a blockbuster uh, so much as a kid that the guy, I I remember his face, he was like, you know what? You can just have it. (laughs) Because I kept renting it and my parents refused. They were like, no, she can't. She cannot. (laughs) How dare you? Don't you hand this to my child. How dare you? My grandparents offered to buy it for me and they also said, no, don't give it to her. But behind their backs, I... I saved up my money and I bought it from the Blockbuster guy at a really cheap price. I think he sold it to me for like $2. Um, <laughs> and then I watched it so much, my parents banned it from the house and I did not rewatch it. So this was probably like eight to nine. I didn't rewatch it again until college. Um, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's a good, like, oh. I loved it. And I love Bette Midler. You know this. Uh, everything she does to me is just powerhouse movie. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up watching her. Uh, she did one where she was twins with another one. It was, uh, I just love, I think it was Big Business. It was called Big Business. Uh, <laughs> I loved that movie. Uh, but hello, First Wives Club. Like, I made you yes. watch it because how much I love her as an individual, but then as a cast. Phenomenal. And yeah, Hocus Pocus, she makes that movie. Oh, yeah. She is a delight to watch. Yes. <laughs> and Sisters. certainly... Yeah, sisters, <laughs> we're going to get into how it has become a cult classic. And I certainly don't go a, a Halloween without watching it at least once. We've actually already watched it, Samantha and we I. Did. And The Witches. Mm-hmm. We did a double feature. We did. Um, and apparently there is a Hocus Pocus 2 in production. It's going to be a Disney Plus exclusive. I was very confused by it because there was a lot of back and forth over who was going to be in it. It was the original cast going to come back. I don't know. I, I guess maybe COVID, because this was right in March right. 2020, they announced it. So maybe COVID really got in the way because I couldn't really pin down any more details other than that. And there is a, a writer and mm-hmm. a director on board. But I don't know. Uh, so I guess look out for that. There's also a board game. Um, I think it just came out. Oh, just came out, really? Yeah, like huh. it's. it was for Halloween. They were getting it ready. So... There's a board game, if that's your kind of thing. I really can't tell you much about the gameplay, but I like the cover of it. Um, and there is a book. There's a book that analyzes the main themes of Hocus Pocus, which it, uh, the author identified as home, nostalgia, festivity, horror, Broadway, sibling rivalry, virginity, and feminism. Mm. Um, it's called Hocus Pocus in Focus, The Thinking Fan's Guide to Disney's Halloween Classic. It's by Aaron Wallace. And there's another book from 2018, Hocus Pocus and the all-new sequel that follows Max and Allison's daughter, Poppy, to, it sounds like she's trying to prove that the story they've told her isn't true, so she goes to the Sanderson Museum, and I'm sure nothing goes wrong, because nothing ever goes wrong. Um, And then as, as I was thinking about this, I remembered that 
last August? Two August ago? No, it was last August. It was only a year ago. <laughs> oh, my God. It feels like so long. It does. Um, Samantha and I were in Orlando for a podcast conference, and we went to Magic Kingdom. And because it's Disney, even though it was August, uh, they were already celebrating Halloween. Right. And we saw the Halloween special at Magic Kingdom, and it was Hocus Pocus-based. And I just remember, like, the entire crowd groaned when they said how old it was. Yeah, they literally said, it's been 30-something years since we last appeared, or something along those lines, 20-something years. And Lauren was with us uh, from Saver, and the three of us looked at each other, and I think I really had a moment of crisis. I was like, wait, what? What just happened? (laughs) And I had to count back to, like, prove, oh, no, that's not right. And then I was like, oh, my God, it is, and I'm going to sit down now. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious the groan that reverberated through the crowd. Why did they have to be specific and say, it's been so many years, sisters? And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that they definitely were, I feel like they were messing with the crowd with yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. Um, on the other side of the coin, I've also mentioned on the show how I never watched The Witches as a kid because we we owned it. Mm-hmm. But the cover terrified me. Um but yes, Samantha has fixed that, and I have now seen it. It's also on Netflix if you want to check it out. Is it on Netflix now? Okay, because I just have mm-hmm. my own copy. I have searched for a copy for years trying to find that movie, and I finally was able to find a copy, and it was really expensive. <laughs> Surprisingly. Not really, but like more expensive than yeah. any others. And I'm like, wow, okay, okay. And of course, it's not like re-digitally mastered or anything. It's just, right. it is as... Bad as it was, you know, I didn't know it then, but the way it was made, whatever. But what did you think after seeing it? Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I loved Angelica Houston. Mm. I can see why it's scary. Like, oh, my kids, it really scared them, not only in kind of the creepy puppet effects, mm-hmm. um, but also getting into the history and who was behind this. It makes a lot more sense, right. some shots. Because I was watching it, and I was like, this has the vibe of one of those really kind of creepy children British shows. Yes. Uh, kind of like a quiet, understated, ominous undertone that something's right. just off. Um, so, yeah. Uh, no, I really enjoyed it. It was unsettling in a way I couldn't quite pinpoint. Um, and it is different in terms of, while these are both children's movies with witches in them, Hocus Pocus is much more about, like, bumbling witches who want to live forever, whereas The Witches is about witches who want to kill all children. Right. Like, it's just about uh, vehemently hating all children and getting rid of them in the world and how awful they are. And they are nothing but evil. Yeah, and that's a pretty disturbing right. thing <laughs> when you right. think about it. Um, do you remember the first time you saw it? Uh, I can't remember the first time I saw it. I just know the emotions and being so freaked out. But, like, also, it's just like, and we'll talk a bit more like this, all the rest of the films around that time, it's like, why does so much tragedy have to happen to make up a story? (laughs) Especially for children. Children's, yeah, I was about to say. It's true. It's true. I've been giving that a lot of thought lately, actually. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Uh, Okay, so let's start with Hocus Pocus, which I feel like we really don't have to go into too much detail. But, you know, we'll give an overview. Uh, Hocus Pocus was a 1993 Disney film directed by Kenny Ortega that stars, yes, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy, and Thora Birch. Uh, I mean, right there, those are all women, uh, right in the main cast there. Even though the main story is about, like, the dude, in theory, he really just is kind of not, ends up not being. Like, he carries the storyline, but he's not the storyline. Yeah, he's not what you remember about that movie for sure. Uh, It's a comedy that follows three witches, the Sanderson sisters, as they terrorize Salem, Massachusetts, one Halloween night. It also is the story of the older brother-younger sister dynamic, that kind of sibling rivalry. It's full of hijinks, uh, talking cats, uh, random musical numbers, and so much 90s. So, so, so much 90s. It made me feel great. I was like, oh yeah, look at that. Oh, you got like the tie-dye shirts. You've got this like ins- running insult of kind of California liberalism, Hollywood, LA judgment going on. Uh, yabos, which I- have you ever heard anyone call boobs yabos in your yeah. life? Was that a thing? Yeah, yeah. So to me, yabos is m- very much like the Valley Talk that you oh. hear oftentimes in the '90s. And '90s were, I think, because you actually, spoiler alert, watched Heather's. They say it in that, too. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I thought this was a totally made-up thing. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, yamos. Wow. Um, Okay. Um, Yeah, there's also um, this whole idea of uh, Virgin lighting the black flame candle, which we're going to talk about more in a second. But I read a lot of essays about how if you, yes, essays on this movie, 
if you really think about this, is a Disney movie that's preoccupied with sex in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, some people think Max did have sex at the no. end of the second act. No. Um, <laughs> Just we'll talk. <laughs> Samantha's face tells it all. Uh, we'll get into that later, too. Um, also, someone in my building's Wi-Fi is named Black Pink Candle, and I love it. That makes <laughs> me very happy. You need to be best friends um, with them. Yes, she's very uh, feminist. I could tell by the bumper stickers on her car, and I finally uh, got to meet her from a distance, uh, and I think we're, we'd be very fast friends indeed. <laughs> um, so when this movie came out, it did receive... Mixed reviews at best. I uh, actually, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a twenty-seven percent. What? Um, yes, mean? yes. Uh, and it lost money at release. Um, I don't know. Some places said it lost money. It certainly didn't make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did come out in July, so it was a Halloween movie that came out in July. So a lot of people were like, "Well, that was probably part of the problem." Um, but it absolutely did go on to become a beloved cult classic. Like millions of people every year watch it on Freeform, which used to be ABC Family. But when I say millions, like 8 million. Yeah, they um, already released their uh, October playlist. I don't know if you've seen it. I, it actually popped yeah. up and it's on there for sure. Oh, yeah. they. I, I read an interview with somebody who's head of programming there and she said it's like an event, like yeah. Hocus Pocus. Um, yeah, it's, I watch it every year. My dream, one of my dreams, one of my cosplay dreams is to one day do the Sanderson sisters with two other people. Their costumes are pretty complicated, though. Oh, so elaborate. Yeah, yeah. And whoever does Winnie is going to have to really have the hair. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yes. Uh, to get a bit further into the plot, but not too much, because I do think most of you have probably seen it. Uh, the movie opens with Thackeray Binks trying to save his younger sister from the dastardly Sanderson sisters. And yes, his name is Thackeray, not Zachary, as a lot of people thought. Um, and the Sanderson sisters are these witches that live in the woods near his home. The witches drain his sister Emily of her youth and her life to make themselves appear younger and achieve immortality. And they turn Thackeray into a cat after they discover him. Uh, however, the sisters are caught by an angry mob of townspeople, and they are hung, but not before they and their wonderful book cast a spell to bring them back if a virgin lights the black flame candle on All Hallows' Eve. Cut to present day, which is the 90s, and Max, uh, who is the, the main character, again, purportedly, <laughs> um, a teenager whose family just moved from L.A. to Salem, and he is... Oh, so angsty teenage, not happy about it. Um, Salem is in the midst of their annual Halloween celebrations. It's a really big deal there, including telling the legend of the Sanderson sisters. And Max, also teenage angstily, does not buy into it, is not into it. And this leads to a uh, confrontation with Allison, a girl he's into about him being kind of, I don't believe in Halloween. And she's like, well, actually. And then right. he gives her his, his digits, his phone he's number. so smooth. So smooth. <laughs> Such a smooth operator. <laughs> he certainly thinks so. Yes. I'm only to be rebuffed and she gives back his number. I did love that. Yes. Um, yes. Despite his protesting, Max has to take his younger sister, Danny, who is dressed as a witch, out trick-or-treating. Ugh, who wants to take care of their siblings? Come on. <laughs> uh, they end up at Allison's house, surprise, and Max, trying to show off, convinces her to take them to the close Sanderson Sister Museums, even though Danny, who we should all have believed, really yep. doesn't want to. Um, and Max stupidly lights the black flame candle to prove the sisters aren't real <laughs> after he yeah. asks Allison to do it, but she declines. 
implying she either has more sexual experience than Max and isn't shy to share it, and or is not going to be peer pressured into messing with something she doesn't want to mess with. See, I interpret that differently. But of course, <laughs> the sisters are real and they are resurrected and they proceed to run amok throughout Salem in song um, as they only have until sunrise to drain the life force of children or they will turn into stone. Uh, after a series of confrontations, the witches set their sights on Danny, determined to drain her, of course, the one who said, don't do it. Um, <laughs> and in the end, Max drinks the last of their potion, so they have to drain him instead of his sister. Before they can do this, the sun rises, and the Sanderson sisters turn to stone before shattering into dust. And then Thackeray Binks is freed of his cat form and reunites with his sister in the spirit world. Roll credits. Yes, and then it's the book, yep. kind of looking around, and then it has kind of a post-credit scene where it implies that as long as the book's around, maybe the story's back. not done. Right. Maybe. Yes. Right. Yes. And I did all of this from memory, so any and all mistakes are mine, but I feel pretty confident. Oh, you knowledge. did it. You wrapped it up perfectly also, yes. And yes, yes. by the way, Thackeray is helping them throughout as a cat. As a cat. Yeah. Um <laughs> And yeah, for for being a kids movie, a lot of this is about sex. Um, some have even argued that Max's virginity is an inversion of the final girl trope, uh, a pure male character being chased by female characters, which I'd never thought of before, but that is a very interesting interpretation of it. It is. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Others have rightly pointed out that he is mocked for his virginity in a way that women would not have been. Uh, that would have been a pure, a sign of purity in a sense that would have put them on a pe pedestal. Although, I have also read other interpretations that he's not being mocked for his virginity. He's being mocked for his stupidity for lighting the candle. So, yes. uh, there is that... Um, it is odd thinking back to it, like that. I guess this idea of virginity, even as an eight-year-old who watched this movie so much, my parents banned it, was already there. I, I don't know. See, I didn't have those thoughts. I didn't think it that way. To me, honestly, even back then, to me, it was mocking this kid who needed to show his masculinity by proving that he's not yeah. scared, and that yeah. to me was what it was more so than anything else. Just pretty much right. mocking toxic masculinity. Of course, I didn't know those terms then, but I'm like, come on, dude, stop yeah. being that jerk. Yeah, I do. I think I did it that way too. Of like, he was trying so hard to show off, and they were both saying like, "Don't do it," and then he did it anyway. Mm -mm -mm. Um, yes, and some people do think that Max had sex for the first time with Allison uh, at the end of uh, the second act when they think it's over, and they are like cuddling on the bed, and therefore read it as a sex positive story. I've never ever thought that. Yeah. But I can see. I mean, we don't know. Fades to black. It's true. I mean, it does fade <laughs> to black. My innocent heart wants to think they just cuddled and made out and probably broke up a week later. <laughs> like your innocent heart wants to think that. <laughs> my innocent... Uh, cynical yes, heart. My innocent, cynical heart wants to believe it that way. Yes. Uh, but anyway, let's break down some of the characters. It is led by three female anti-heroines who are sisters first, which I do love. Winifred, Winnie, the leader, the smart one, obviously, kind of a bully. Sarah, mm -hmm. the sexy airhead, but she'll kill you, though, after she flirts with you. Yes. And then yes. Mary, the goofball nurturer. And I have to, like, they kind of play that same role, uh, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker, in The First Wives Club. Yeah. 
Just yeah. saying that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and if you look at those roles, um, and a lot of interpretation has especially been done on Sarah's character. Uh, it, you can read them as weaponizing society's dismissive attitude towards women as sluts, spinsters, or witches. Because, I mean, this movie is played for laughs. It's a comedy. But, I mean, like, Sarah, she even threatens that one dude. Like, they'll kill you. Um, (laughs) They are on the outskirts of uh, gender norms. And as we've talked about a lot with witches, most witches are. But they, uh, in this kind of telling of these characters, it takes those. Because everyone dismisses them. You see in the movie, everybody. Mm -hmm. But they are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, And people just are assuming, oh, she's a spinster. She can't do anything. Actually, she's a spinster and a witch. Mm -hmm. And you should be scared. Um, And this was in contrast to a wave of witches as moral beings to aspire to in the 90s, like Willow from Buffy, Sabrina, and Charmed. When we did our episode on the craft, the craft was also kind of in conflict with that whole idea. But a lot of these witches coming out during third wave feminism and the 90s were shifting from the previous telling of, oh, they're bad, to, oh, no, they're like paragons of good. Um, So this was kind of an interesting take at the time of they were bad, but they were also funny. And you could relate to them. Mm -hmm. You could connect with these sisters. Um, Yeah, they were transgressors of gender roles. They were uh, too sexy, too old, too ambitious, too ugly. And... This movie certainly plays a lot, as do a lot of movies with witches, uh, on the need versus want of children. Because they don't, they don't like children. They don't want children. But they do need them. Right. To uh, continue their plans. Uh, to <laughs> stay young. And be immortal. Um, so that's the, uh, the sisters. Then you have Max, who's yeah, the kind of bro character, uh, older brother. Uh, you've got Danny, who's definitely painted as the annoying little sister, but she certainly, I don't know. I could see it being told from her perspective, and it would, we would have a different reading on her character. Right. But anyway, uh, Allison, who is uh, the love interest, but also very smart, uh, which she figures out the salt circle and all that stuff. Um, then Thackeray Binks, the beleaguered older brother who lost his sister, Emily, and was turned into a cat by the Sanderson sisters. Many of my friends had a crush on him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was the heartthrob at that point. I think he came <laughs> around during, like, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas and all of them. So he fit uh, with the, like, the shaggy-haired, yeah. bowl-cut-haired dudes that everyone mm-hmm. loved in those in that time frame. <laughs> it's just funny to me because he did spend... I mean, what when you see him like that for maybe four minutes and the rest of the movie, he's a cat? <laughs> well, think about, uh, do you remember the movie Casper? I never saw Casper. Oh, well, so in Casper, uh, you have Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci. Um, and Devin Sawa is not even the voice of the ghost throughout the movie, which is animated the entire time. It pops yeah. up for 15 seconds and everybody was like, what? <laughs> I love him. I'm not going to lie. I was one of them as well because they were also in um, other movies. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it doesn't matter. He also was one of the shaggy haired blonde kids at that time frame. Okay. That's, that's funny. I mean, I guess it's you can paint whatever you want onto someone who's there so little. I mean, it's not like you didn't get to know Thackeray through the cat. Right, um, exactly. He loved his sibling. He tried to save people. He was cursed, yeah. just like everyone yeah. else. All right. 
Okay. I got it. I mean, as someone who loves fictional characters and has had a crush on a cartoon character before, I, I can't judge, so. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, speaking of boy crushes, at this point, yeah. there is Billy Butcherson, who is the zombie boyfriend. By the way, does he not look like the character from um, Edward Scissorhands a little bit? Yeah, a little yeah bit? I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, though he cheated on Winnie with Sarah, he was the one who was punished by Winnie. Again, sisters first, which is kind of a relief. I mean, you don't, you kind yeah. of feel bad for him, but at the same time, at least it's not women against women. Yeah. And then, of course, there are two male bullies that get hung in cages after harassing the sisters. And, of course, they pick on everybody at the school. So you yeah. kind of feel, yeah, you kind of yeah. want them to be in those cages. So... There's a cameo by Penny Marshall and her brother, Gary Marshall, and they are <laughs> spouses <laughs> Yeah, yeah. in this one, which is quite funny in every way. But, of course, I love the two of them anyway. So, yes, him dressed as a devil, now I remember for sure. <laughs> Should be a running theme, some kind of Penny Marshall-related fact in every Everything, movie episode we do. That would be amazing. Well, I know Gary and Penny would put each other in each other's films or have each other. Like, because yeah. Gary was in A League of Their Own that Penny right. actually directed. But I think they did that often. They were really close, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much Hocus Pocus in there. All these themes of, you know, sisterhood and sibling uh, rivalry, but also being protective of your sibling and particularly your sisters. Um, and I don't know. I I have a new appreciation for uh, <laughs> so because it is a very nostalgic film, right? And yeah. in certain movies, if you've seen enough, you're not really paying attention to anything other than oh, I this part makes me feel warm because it reminds me of all these other things, right? Or I can say this line with gusto because right. I love it. Um, but yeah, now I've especially thinking about the context of when it came out, having these this close sisterly relationship and these characters who are both funny but are bad and witches, but everybody loves them. It was pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so I am very excited for another rewatch of it. Starting all over again. More witches, yes. please. Yes. Um, so that's that for now, but now we need to talk about the witches. Yes. But first... We're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Right. So we did want to talk about these two movies together, The Witches and Hocus Pocus, because they are specifically made and geared as children's movies. But they both have very interesting takes on witches and how they're represented. So we thought it would be an interesting contrast to each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, So The Witches is a movie originally adapted from the classic novel written by Roald Dahl. Uh, And by the way, he did actually see this, and uh, he wasn't a big fan of the movie. According to one report, he felt as if the movie was, quote, utterly appalling because of the changes, which were happier than his. That does not surprise me. (laughs) Um, These changes in the movie. And it was produced by Jim Henson Productions and was apparently the last movie he was personally involved in. And though it wasn't actually a big hit in theaters either, critics were fans of it, and it still has a Rotten Tomato score of 93%, so that's better than Hocus Pocus. Yes. Uh, and was even given three out of four stars by famous film critic Robert Ebert. And yes, it also has a big cult following. I guess I'm a part of that cult, honestly. Um, <laughs> so the movie was directed by Nicholas Rogue, who was already known for his horror movie, Don't Look Now, which, Annie, you watched? Yes, I actually watched this right March 14th, right when quarantine started. And I was looking for that gif of, the, is it Donald Sutherland? It's not Donald. Well, that guy uh, where he points and he has the look of horror on his face. But this that's actually Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So I watched this whole movie <laughs> waiting for that to happen. It never did. But then I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers and I loved it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's why when you told me this, Samantha, I was like, oh, I can see it. Yeah, I, I can so, see it in the witches, yeah. So him being the director of this horror movie, he had plenty of controversy under his belt and was a surprising choice to direct a children's film as most of his works were seen as overly risque and even too explicit at that time. And some of the movies were shelved, apparently, because it was too much. Wow. And unsurprisingly, the movie has been deemed by many people as the scariest children's movie ever. And I would agree. And although... I saw a lot of that, yeah. Yeah. Although I do love this movie, I was surprised to see so many articles written about it this year. But it turns out, as I said, this marks the 30th anniversary of the film release. So it's been 30 years since it's been released, as well as the fact that they are now talking about doing a remake with Anne Hathaway playing the Grand High Witch and directed by Robert Zemeckis. So 
That should be interesting. Um, Accidentally timely. Yeah, it really we do is. It. <laughs> really is. And many have continued to argue that this was one of the most terrifying movies ever made for children. Uh, so there's a debate about, like, is it just terrifying because it's a children's movie or is it just terrifying? Yeah. And why are children watching it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rogue even stated that at one point his child watched some of the dailies, I guess, and his child was so terrified that he realized that he needed to edit several of the scenes. So, huh, Ooh. I wonder what that looked like. Yikes. <laughs> um, and I definitely have lasting memories of the many terrifying scenes that kept me awake, for sure. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I can definitely see... As I was watching it, there were scenes where I'm like, oh, I'm sure that would have kept me up. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had a real weird thing about paintings and getting trapped in paintings. I, so. You know I have a weird thing about, like, people in paintings. I'm like, they're watching yeah. me. They're watching yeah. me. Well, maybe it came from this. <laughs> maybe. Mm. So, for the plot, uh, we meet Luke, played by Jason Fisher, and his grandmother, Helga, played by Madge Sederin in Norway. And she is telling Luke uh, all these cautionary tales of witches who not only uh, walk among all of us, but they actively work to get rid of all of the children in the world. The witches, though, are good at hiding among regular people and can actually, they can be spotted because they have a purple tint in their eyes, a rash on their head as they are bald and have to wear wigs. They wear gloves because they have claws and no toes, so square feet, and an obvious dislike of the smell of children, to which is they smell like dog droppings. And this is actually another interesting thing I noticed when I was thinking about witches in children's movies, is they often have like a smell aversion to children, and it's at, it's usually like some kind of waste byproduct. Right. I remember when she said droppings. It was so weird to me being from yeah. L.J., Georgia, and of course they're, <laughs> you know, in I think Norway. And I'm like, wait, what? Droppings? What's droppings? What are Sounds droppings? So much uh, it fancier so, than... <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's like it just made it so much more upscale. And of mm -hmm. course, the cleaner they are, the worse they smell. Of so, course. to bring home the reality of the dangers of these witches, Helga tells of her friend who disappeared from their village. As the family of Erica scrambles to find her, we see her pop up in a painting that was recently purchased by her father. Not only has she suddenly appeared in a painting, but we see her repositioned at different places at different times, and she even grows up in the painting until one day she disappears. That Eek. scene freaked me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... We come back to the present day, and we meet the parents as they rush off for their date event, leaving Luke with his grandmother. And at this point, he has his first interaction with a witch. As he plays in his treehouse, he meets a woman who tries to entice him with chocolates and a snake. By the way, that would not work for me. <laughs> but Luke is obviously too smart for that and calls out for his grandmother, who, by the way, is told by the witch that she could not hear him, so she could not help him. Freaky. Oof. Yeah, that is freaky. <laughs> Uh, later, we come back to the sad fact that uh, Luke's parents have died in a car accident because, yes, obviously all children's movies must have some type of tragedy. And he moves in with his grandmother, Helgen, and they, they move to England. In their new life, we see more obstacles for the pair as Helga is diagnosed with diabetes and is told she must learn to manage her health. So we cut to Luke and Helga going on a much-needed vacation in a very swanky hotel soon after Luke's birthday, uh, in which he is gifted with some white mice. There, there we meet Bruno, a very hungry, rich boy that loves to sneak some of the lovely tea cakes before everyone else. Uh, his character reminded me, he was one of the things where I was like, this feels very British. Yeah. I don't know why, just the way he speaks feels very British. 
Yeah. It's not necessarily even his accent, just something about it. <laughs> I've never read the book, uh, but I do love uh, a lot of the children's book that Roald Dahl did. But this is very similar to that character in Matilda, the boy who sneaks yeah. the cake. So I wonder uh-huh. if he has this as a theme for him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it's at this point we learn that the hotel is also hosting a convention for witches, of course. Uh, masquerading as the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. Hmm. Uh, Here we meet the Grand High Witch, played by none other than the wonderful Angelica Houston and her assistant, Miss Irving. Yeah, this is when it gets good. Uh, Luke, while exploring the grounds and running away from the hotel manager, played by Mr. Bean, if you all know who I'm talking about, uh, the famous English actor, with his pet mice, we see that they've come together to devise a plan to rid the world of children by turning them into mice with a potion that would be shared all over the world. And can we talk about the reveal for Angelica Houston and her face as the actual witch? Masterfully done by Jim Henson's crew, of course. Um, yeah. Her high, shrill voice and disdain, like, it gave me nightmares. Like, even when she's, like, talking and heaving almost, like, she's going to vomit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, ah! Yeah. <laughs> gave me nightmares, I'm not going to lie. And it's at this point they bring in their demonstration. Poor Bruno. Poor, poor Bruno. Uh, he's yeah. turned into a mouse, um, and we see him scurry away. That whole thing mm-hmm. was nightmarish, like his little seizure. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, and the green powder, what is that, green fog everywhere? Yeah. But, of course, Luke has seen all of this and has discovered them. And after he is discovered to have been spying. Luke escapes to his room only to find his grandmother unconscious in their room. And by the way, there's some kind of relationship between the Grand High Witch and the grandmother. They had met before, and I think, yes, and the grandmother lost her tips of her fingers. Or no, the grandmother lost one of her fingers to the Grand High Mm -hmm. Witch. Just to put that in there. Luke is then caught and turned into a mouse. Mm -hmm. But... No fear, because Luke, using his mouse abilities, uh, like crawling and his tail, of course, thank goodness for the tail, uh, he sneaks the potion into the soup served to the witches, turning them into mice. All but one, Miss Irving, who was banned from celebrating with the rest of the witches. So both Bruno and Luke are reunited with their families, and all they all return home. But unlike the book ending, Miss Irving has become a good witch and not only turns Luke back into a boy, but goes on to set Bruno back as well. And yes, uh, Dahl hated this ending as he argued witches were unredeemable and cruel. Right. So Rogue actually did do two endings, one to satisfy Dahl and to go more with the book and the Mm -hmm. original happy or one that we see. And when they did the test... Screen test. Yeah, everyone hated <laughs> This is like the reverse Shining. The Shining's the opposite in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So they kept the happier ending, which I'm not going to lie. I, If it was a bad ending, there may have been a chance that I couldn't have watched it. I mean, that would have been a very tough thing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um I, I was upset, like, when we were watching, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be a mouse forever? Wow. Right. Like, <laughs> he's the resolve for it, but I'm like, uh, why? I know. Why? <laughs> so there are some themes and controversy within this movie, of course. Um, there's a quite a bit of conversation about the whole women-hating children thing, women who can only be either haggard or cruel, or mothers and caregivers. And actually, it played a lot on the stranger danger, fear-mongering from this film, so we wanted to talk a little about it. As I told you, there were several articles about 
pretty much about why this is one of the most scary movies ever Mm -hmm. for children. Um, The continued conversation, though, had come up on the hag and Spencer versus the mother protector, which is an obvious scene to this movie. You have one or the other, whether it's turning the idea that women are all maternal and caring versus women who rip children away from their families and are evil and thrive on the demise of children they never wanted. It's very divisive. And it gets mm-hmm. pretty, it gets dark pretty quickly, uh, as we mentioned in the tale of the disappearing young girl. Seriously eerie to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then if we look at feminism in this movie, uh, though the point that the film was used to tell tell the tale of the unhappy motherless hag who murders or sometimes steals uh, children has made many people feel that this is a stereotypically misogynistic cautionary tale. Some have recently said they felt it was more forward-thinking. According to an article, um, they say author Caroline Kipneys views it as, quote, a hilarious feminist commentary on women, work, and family where men are ineffective and women possess more power, something they might prove horrifying to those frantically upholding the patriarchy. Right. So it's kind of been a back and forth with them about is this feminist or is this anti-feminist? Should we be upset or should we laugh? I I interpreted it as almost satirical, mm-hmm. as almost like you're so afraid of women with power and this is what scares you. Right. I, I don't know. Like there, there was some element of it that was almost giving a knowing wink of like, yes, there is this stereotype of ugly hag women who want to kill children. But what does that say about the fact that there is that stereotype? Right. So it does go back and forth. Yeah, so, but back then it was just so upfront and it was that point of third wave feminism. So so who is the villain here? You know, is it women in general who don't want children or is it that the patriarchy have to pin and only can categorize these two? Very deep for a children's movie. (laughs) So also, and one of the big things that I saw was the stranger danger concept. Um, And as many have stated, this brought fear for children with a new concept of stranger danger, which came around in the 80s. Not only does this movie immediately place that fear within a child's mind, but the movie and the book flips it with women instead of men. Um, Here, it's the hatred of children that drives them. And as a child of the 80s, 90s, that's something children were taught to fear. The the whole strangers offering candy is a perfect setup that's going to get you. So you must be aware and be cautious. Yeah. uh, Actually, over on Saver, we just did an episode on the ice cream truck. And it was so interesting to me because I read all of these like beautiful, nostalgic love memories people had with ice cream truck. And I was like, when I grew up, even at four years old, I was like, no way in hell am I going to follow music to get... I mean, and you buy it. It's not different than a store, but it just felt so creepy. Like, here's this song. Go outside. And just hope that right. nothing's going to happen to me. Right. <laughs> Definitely, there were some cases in the 80s where children were abducted in unmarked vans. And that's yeah. kind of that play that came in. So you have this whole time when we talked about uh, good touch, bad touch. It was always that stranger danger level yeah. of conversation. Yeah. And this movie and possibly the book brought that into context. This here's, and not only that, but trying to make you feel comfortable with women, saying that women cannot be the predators here, but they are. So yeah, yeah. They, that definitely gets into the mind very quickly. And yeah. for children, who wants to be kidnapped? 
No. <laughs> right? So, right. to say that this movie leaves a lasting impression or an impact is an understatement. And many still agree, again, that the overall horror of this film is one for the record books. And many people still have as the number one movie of the scariest childhood movies that exist. Yeah. And again, these articles, these articles were written the last couple of months. Yeah, I was surprised how many articles I found. It's like pages of them are like the scariest children's movie of all time. Right. Like, I look. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm interested to see the remake because they did talk about Robert Zemeckis said that he was making it more a social. Yeah, is this like it's set in the 1960s Jim Kerr era? Yeah. And it's a black child. Yeah, so Octavia Spencer will be playing the grandmother, which is kind of funny because the other grandmother was about 15 years older than her. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to see. That'll we'll be interesting. have to see. It, it certainly will be. We're getting two remakes of these things. Well, <laughs> Hocus Pocus is getting a sequel. This is getting a remake. Okay. Yes. Um, so we did want to talk about some overall themes when it comes to witches in children's movies. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. 
Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So originally we were going to get into, we, we both, we thought of prominent examples, but the more I thought about this, the more I feel like we're both very influenced by the products, the movies that were coming out in our era, because like Sabrina was one we thought about, which is an interesting um, contrast because we do have the Netflix remake, which is much not, not, I would call it a children right. made for children. Right. Um, but the one in the 90s certainly right. was. I mean, it was a TGI Friday show, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually never saw it. But I, I mean, even just Wait. the clips and the vibe, I was like, oh, yeah. You never watched that? No. Was that on cable? I didn't have any cable. It wasn't on cable. It was on, oh. um, I believe it was on ABC. It was on a family night show for a long while. I know it was rebroadcast on what used to be Freeform, whatever it was before then. Yeah. For a little Apes while. Yeah. So, but it was uh, Clarissa Explains It All, who was Nickelodeon, jumped into mm-hmm. the, the show as a teenager with Harvey and all of them. But yeah, the new ones are definitely completely different. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the whole thing. They, there wasn't prominent devil worshiping in the 90s sitcom. Oh, surprise, surprise. Would they have thought D&D was summoning demons? <laughs> um, well, yeah, so the, the groups of examples we thought of, it really does split pretty down the middle of like, you do have this good witch who is almost over the top good. Um, and then you have the villain. And particularly when you think about Disney movies, which we'll get into in a second, there was an era where the witch was bad in Disney movies. And that's it. Yep. And that is changing. But the the reasons that it's changing are fascinating. Um, I thought of Double, Double, Toil and Trouble. You you often have that kind of dynamic because they were twins. Uh, it was Clarice Leachman, who was originally going to be, I think, in Hocus Pocus. No, she was going to be in The Witches. Um, but anyway... So you've got the good witch and the bad witch. Uh, it's Wizard of Oz kind of dichotomy of you can only be one or the other, and that's it. You can only be this sort of maternal thing or this evil children-hating one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and certainly attitudes towards children and youth in general is just one of the biggest recurring themes I could think of right. in, in depictions of witches and children's movies. And also love, like when you think about, and I know this is not a children's movie, but Practical Magic was geared as a teenage movie because it was PG-13, but it kind of has that whole effect as well. And of course, children are involved in that as well and love and all of that. So you wonder, you're like, hmm, what what is your ideas here? Yeah. Um, and if you think of like Hocus Pocus in particular, uh, sucking the youth to appear young and beautiful and that whole idea that women's value and currency in society is their youth and their beauty. Um, And like one of the reasons they choose to focus on Danny, uh, Thora Birch's character to to suck her youth is she says, you'll always be ugly. You're the ugliest thing that's ever lived. And Winnie is so wounded by this insult. She's like, Mm. <laughs> I have all of these children options that would be much easier to get, but you are the one. You have insulted me. 
Yeah. And kind of that choosing vengeance and, and losing everything, being too power hungry, uh, perhaps too emotional. I guess you could read it that way. Yeah. And losing everything. And then if you go back to Snow White, which is one of the very first, I mean, that was Disney's first movie. Mm-hmm. You have the queen who asses, asks a mirror, like, who's the fairest of them all? Yeah. And she can't stand to not be the fairest of them all. She must get rid of any competition. Yes, yes. Women competing against women. I mean, and that's the interesting thing about Hocus Pocus is there is this kind of like sisterly bond. The the women competing against women is sort of removed on that level, but right. on a societal level, it's still kind of there. Um, so that's interesting. <laughs> and then I did read, uh, there are so many essays, and this should not have surprised me at all, but so many essays have been written about Elsa from Frozen. Oh, my gosh. Um, is she a witch? Yes. Is she? Yeah. Oh. She's got power. She has one um, power. We don't know that. She's got one known power. Oh. I'm going to have to anyway. think on that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she is one of the first Disney witches. Actually, the first, I think, that was good. But also embraced her powers. Um, she was also the first to use camp and heightened style femininity not to denote evil. So if you think of like Maleficent or Ursula or yes, the queen from uh, Snow White, they all have this like over-the-top kind of like high-collar, almost theater, theatrical mm-hmm. style. And Elsa doesn't have that at first, but when she goes into her, her big musical number and kind of sheds it all, she does, but she's still good. Um but if you look at the history of, yeah, which is in Disney films in particular, there is this over-the-top monstrous female desire that aligns it with queerness. But there's also this fear of middle-aged sexual agency. And as I was, I was reading these essays, there's just some things you don't pick up on as a kid. Right. I didn't really get, like, when Ursula was giving Ariel, like, here's how you get a man, and she's like, plumping her lips and doing this yeah. stuff. I didn't pick up on that. Right. But it's true. She's like middle-aged sea witch, totally confident in her body. <laughs> she loves herself. And I yeah. love her for loving herself. Yes, but it's painted as a bad thing. It is. It is. Because yeah. she has to be demure and quiet. Yeah. And so, oh. Yeah, it equates mm-hmm. power, obviously, uh, with family power and ambition the whole witchcraft idea and the punishment and evil that comes with it. Uh, and apparently, I didn't realize, but it is changing with new Disney, I guess, if Elsa continues on her stretch. Is there any more new witches coming about? So the essay I'm thinking of in particular um, delved into Elsa, um, Maleficent, the new uh, Angelica Jolie ones, mm-hmm. and then... Um, Merida, who wasn't a witch, but they were saying, like, she immediately breaks gender norms and is like, I don't want to get married. Maybe I never want to get married. Right. Go ahead, declare war. Um, So uh, kind of that female power and ambition thing. And previously, when there had been that sort of aberrant uh, witch power, it was bad. And you could see that as saying... When women have too much power and ambition, it is bad. Mm-hmm. But now that I mean, people, children love Elsa. I don't know if you know this, but whoa, um, I've seen it. Yeah, they 
And and in those movies too, they they paint the love in, is in between two women, whether that's like two sisters, or I haven't seen Maleficent in so long, but basically Aurora and Maleficent, um, and then Merida and her mother. Instead of it being this like romantic rush to get married, first time you meet a guy, it's love, and that's what you need, and then your life right. is done and happy ever after. Um, in that case, your power is essentially just finding a man, <laughs> right? As it should. Yes. Be. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Completely kidding. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> Samantha comes out with a very <laughs> unfamiliar. Yeah. Yep. 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 No, um, not at all. And then, I mean, I, I feel like we could just talk about a lot of this stuff forever in a in a more detailed episode, and perhaps we will, because again, it's my favorite season and my favorite <laughs> holiday. But we were also discussing how in Harry Potter and in, in most things where you have witches and warlocks, right, and and wizards, and it does feel that wizards are, you know, they, there's a wiseness attached mm -hmm. to them, right, and perhaps more of a I, maybe it's just like less complicated, but it does feel like I don't have a natural inclination to think they're bad, right. Whereas witches, like even though I don't think that anymore there is that in the back of my head kind of oh wait i've seen so many bad witches right. is that what you mean right um and we i mean we use it as an insult or we have for in our society forever so right. i just watched a movie where a woman just randomly shouted witch at a bar and they tried to kill her she just said it um <laughs> i've watched a lot of bad horror movies yeah lately. what would be a movie that did that what was it called? They're watching. It was about a home improvement show that went really wrong. Uh, oh yeah, you're digging in something real deep, aren't you? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're going down the well on this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to return to this and have a more in-depth conversation uh, about some of these ideas. But but in the meantime, I feel like that's a pretty good overview, right? of the, the themes you see a lot with women and witches in these children's movies. Right. Which I find yes. fascinating. Uh, I do want to see more of the ideas that we see in adult films to translate into children's films. And I guess technically Harry Potter did that, mm -hmm. which makes yeah, me I sad, mean, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Newer ones are certainly playing with a lot of this. Right. Uh, again, I found... I wish I had way more time to prepare because I, I found so many essays. <laughs> oh. So I, I don't know why. I just popped in my head. The Teen Witch a movie from 89. Oh, and the worst, I think there was the worst uh, musical number in there. Oh, you got my attention now. <laughs> but essentially it is a teen rom-com that involves a red-headed witch. And I can't remember much about it. I remember loving it. Um, but yeah, damn, I forgot about that one too. <laughs> wow. All I right. feel like that might be another movie that I have to make you watch, but I'm not going to lie. I can't attest you to can't vouch if it's for actually it. <laughs> sure. worth watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, well, we'll add it to the list. Uh, and in the meantime, <laughs> listeners, if you have any movie you want us to add to the list, please send them our way. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks, guys. Oh, no, that was just one. Thank you. 
<laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.